Welcome to another segment of the Grassy Knoll on Dade City Micro Radio, AM 1610 WDCX. This is Viz, and with us today is Dr. James H. Betzer. He's on the faculty of the University of Minnesota at Duluth. He's had a number of titles to his credit. Uh, you've heard him on the show before. Uh, with regard to the JFK assassination, he's been involved with the assassination science, murder in Dealey Plaza, the great Zapruder film hoax, but he's here today to talk about the Paul Wellstone crash. Uh, the book he has just come out with, a co-author, is American Assassination, The Strange Case, The Strange Death of Paul Wellstone. I want to thank you for being with us, Doc. My pleasure, Viz. Glad to be back. Okay, sorry for stumbling on that subtitle. Uh, you were also in collaboration with Don Jacobs, is that correct? That's right. He's a Native American scholar from Northern Arizona University who's published more than a dozen books of his own and who, uh, who offered to collaborate with me on a, on a book on uh, Paul Wellstone when he discovered I'd been doing research on the case. Was that the first time you'd ever collaborated with him? Yes, yes. All right, and, uh, we, a we actually only met last uh, October when on the 25th we made a press conference at the conducted a press conference at the National Press Club in Washington D.C. to present our findings to announce the book and to call for an investigation at the f local, state, or federal level. How did that go, by the way? Oh, the press conference was was fine. There wasn't uh, a, a very large uh, turnout. Uh, there wasn't a great deal of uh, coverage. Uh, we we uh, said our piece, but you know this is not the sort of thing that's very popular with the press or the powers that be. Um, what exactly do you believe happened that day? I mean, this was not an accident. You feel? Well, let me begin, Viz, by sure. you know talking about uh, the. You know, we, we are not the first two who are concerned about what happened in this case. Uh, Michael Neiman of Buffalo State College, for example, wrote an early uh, article in which he was addressing the political motivation involved here. The, it was no secret in Washington or in other political circles around the country that the Bush administration was targeting Paul Wellstone as their number one uh, opponent, the person they most wanted to remove from office and that uh, he he had been their most outspoken critic. He was known as the conscience of the Senate. He was opposing them on many different issues. And Neiman was suggesting that uh, the circumstances were so suspicious that the the crash just 10 days before the election, while Wellstone was pulling ahead, he'd pulled six to seven points ahead, uh, just on the face of it was uh, profoundly uh, disturbing. And, of course, it turns out that the loss of the Wellstone seat together with the loss of Max Cleland's seat in Georgia, which was highly unexpected and which appears to have been brought about by the manipulation of uh, computerized voting machines, cost the Democrats control of the Senate. A second party who had early interest in the case was, was uh, Christopher Bolin of American Free Press, who observed that the FBI was on the scene just with remarkable speed, that they seemed to, as it were, have foreknowledge of what had taken place here. He tracked down the sheriff for St. Louis County, Rick Wahlberg, who told him that while he personally had shown up at 1.30, that he had seen uh, agents from this uh, St. Paul Rapid Response Force that he knew uh, personally, who told him he'd, they'd arrived around noon, uh, I confirmed the, with the Gary Ullman, the assistant airport manager, that to his knowledge they had been there at least since 1 o'clock, though he'd been so busy with the phone he couldn't tell if they'd been there earlier. An FBI spokesman by the name of Paul McCabe would later 
claim that the FBI hadn't shown up until 3.30. Uh, the fact is, Bolin had even checked with the Duluth office to make sure these weren't FBI agents who'd come from Duluth, which would have been a much uh, simpler matter. So he thought there was a strange aspect in the FBI showing up so fast. It's interesting because the uh, the plane, which was due in at about 10.20, uh, Gary Ullman, who was on duty at the time, had had hopped in a plane and, and, and discovered the crash site after it didn't show up around uh, 11 a.m. and had not made any notification of the FBI. So this is uh, this early appearance by the FBI was really quite uh, striking and was something I would uh, later pursue. And third, and maybe in many ways most important. Uh, Michael Rupert of uh, From the Wilderness, the celebrated investigative journalist who's exposed, for example, CIA drug dealing in South Central Los Angeles and other areas around the world, reported that he was contacted by an insider who's been a reliable source in the past and who's been involved in, 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 in wet worker activities like this who assured him this had been a professional hit that the explaining that the administration was under the control of a group of reinvigorated old white guys and that they were no one to screw around with, and you could bet that there would be other strategic accidents of this kind in the future. An opinion, Rupert says, was echoed by numerous members of Congress who told him they thought the whole thing had just been too convenient, that the timing was just too stunning, and that they were themselves inclined to believe this had been an assassination. Can you set a, a framework for that particular day, uh, the weather, where they were taking off from, how long the flight was supposed to be, what time, uh, what the time of the crash was, uh, weather conditions? Can you can you set that day for us? Yes, yes, yes. The the, the weather actually was uh, somewhat overcast. Uh, there was a big storm in southern Minnesota, but not in northern Minnesota. Uh, plenty of us were you know paying attention especially when we started to hear reports claiming that the weather had been extreme which were not justifiable based upon our experience other planes had landed at the Sevaluth Virginia airport we're talking about a flight from uh, an airport in in Minneapolis southern Minneapolis to uh, to uh, the Eveleth Virginia airport in northern Minnesota where Paul Wellstone was planning to attend the funeral of Benny Rukavina, a prominent Democratic politician in, in the history of Minnesota uh, affairs. And he, he was flying there in a, a Beechcraft King Air A-100 plane, something like the Rolls-Royce small aircraft. It's an extremely reliable airplane. The, it had an excellent maintenance record. And the the... the, the there were also two quali highly qualified pilots. In fact, Richard Connery, the, the, the principal pilot, had some 5,200 hour, hours of experience. He was an air transport pilot qualification, which is the highest qualification in the FAA, and he would passed his FAA flight check just two days before the fatal, fatal flight. So it's very, uh, very odd to suppose that uh, he and his co-pilot, Michael Guess, who was actually, who was also well-qualified to fly the plane, though not as qualified as Connery, should have, uh, you know, been responsible for the crash of this plane. That's a very odd case, and yet that was the one that the, the NTSB would attempt to make. Um, I'm not familiar with the aircraft. Was that, a, was that a prop or a turbo? It's a turbo. Okay. 
it's it, it's it's a turboprop. It's it's a twin prop, and it's a very uh, high performance uh, air, aircraft among small planes. It, there, there were eight persons aboard altogether: the two pilots, uh, the senator, his wife, his daughter, and uh, and uh, several aides. What, what what we've been trying to do here, Viz, which I might explain for the uh, for your audience, is that. Uh, you, you you can't tell whether what you know a government report is saying is 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 true or not or even remotely plausible or responsive to the evidence if you haven't actually studied the case yourself looked at the evidence considered the range of alternative hypotheses uh, i i and i and others were quite concerned about the reports blaming the weather right off the bat when the weather had had not been uh, that bad. Uh, it was uh, 500 to 1,000 feet to ceiling. The visibility was good for two to three miles. There was uh, uh, practically no wind. There was. Um, I, I had a, a pilot who was on the ground, who's also in real estate, sent me a couple of photographs that were taken within just a couple of miles and uh, less than half an hour uh, before the crash site. Who, which showed very clear weather. In fact, he was taking photographs across water, and you could see not only was there no freezing rain or or a big storm, which would be alleged in 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 many reports in the in radio and television, but there wasn't even any rain visible. So actually, the conditions of the flight were quite good. But if you don't know things like that, if you haven't gathered you know evidence, you're you're vulnerable to being taken in. It, it, the case is very parallel, in my opinion, with the. Uh, the Warren report issued by the commission created by Lyndon Johnson to investigate the death of JFK, or this 9-11 commission report that has now come forth to explain or what happened on, on, on that uh, tragic day. If you don't know a lot about the case, if you don't know the evidence, the witnesses, physical properties of weapons and things of that kind, then you're just not in a position to make an assessment. So lest we be taken in the way, in my judgment, we've been taken in in those cases, uh, you have to do, you know, background research and study. So I began working on this case the day that the plane went down, basically, and wound up writing ten different columns in a local alternative newspaper about it before... Uh, I was uh, subsequently approached by uh, by Four Arrows and invited to collaborate on uh, on authoring a book. Uh, as a, go ahead, go ahead, Doc. Okay, I'm just going to ask you a sidebar question. I remember when you were writing those articles, and that's probably the last time I had looked in on the situation. Uh, and it, it apparently you were taking some heat up there for that. Is that true? Well, there was a local attorney, among others, who, a former attorney, used to be actually a friend of mine, who, who sued me for what he claimed was uh, some kind of defamation of him because uh, my research supported the conclusion that not only had this been no accident, but that it, it appeared to have been a political motivated, politically motivated assassination. And in that, uh, the, the certain figures in the White House, in my judgment, were those who were most likely to have been responsible. And I was very specific in identifying uh, Karl Rove, Dick Cheney, and, and Donald Rumsfeld as the parties that I felt were most likely to have been the the, the persons who, who were responsible for making the decision to take Wellstone out. Uh, my opinion is, and he, he brought a suit against me for uh, defaming him on the grounds that he was a member of the Republican Party, and I'd suggested that Republicans had been involved in this thing, which, of course, was quite a stretch, 
He also claimed that in the course of uh, discussion uh, on, a, on a website, a forum he'd created on, on Yahoo, that uh, I had somehow defamed him personally. The, the case went to court and was uh, dismissed, but then it was appealed to the appeals court, which made an extremely clear ruling that there was no basis at all for his bringing such a suit and that he had no special competence, although he touted his competence as an attorney, which I had questioned. He clearly had no special competence with regard to the investigation of airplane accidents, and and the thing was tossed out. But, uh, he, you know, he... he He's kind of a special case where I think he it's a case, someone who has too much time on their hands and, and nothing better to do. Uh, you used the word stretch just before. The stretch was not that Republicans were involved. Just to clarify, the stretch was that since he was a member of the Republican Party, he took it as defaming that you said Republicans were involved. Oh, yeah. It's very clear under the law that just because you're a member of some class and there's a criticism made of other members of the class, for example, that doesn't imply that you have been yourself defamed just by that rather vague and tenuous association. In fact, I've been very explicit in my articles that I wasn't talking about your average GOP voter, which would include him, but rather this troika that runs the White House. By the way, just to offer an example of following up, you know, Christopher Boland's observations, just to give an illustration of how... Uh, Unless you actually conduct additional research, you may not be able to appraise what's going on. I made calculations backward on the basis of the assumption that what the sheriff had to say was true, namely that the FBI agents from the St. Paul office had shown up by noon. In order to get there, flying out of an airport in St. Paul up to Duluth and renting a car, then driving up to Avalith, Virginia, and, and uh, to reach the, the uh, crash site, which was... Uh, in a really wooded, swampy area several miles south of the airport, uh, I calculate they would have had to have left uh, St. Paul at around 9.30 in the morning, which ironically is the same time the senator's plane was taking off from southern Minnesota. So the only way the FBI could have been up there that quickly would have been if they had remarkable powers of anticipation to to know in advance that they would be their presence would be required in 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 northern minnesota at such an early stage uh, there are many aspects of the fbi involvement that turn out to have been extremely suspicious for example it was announced later that afternoon and repeated the following day by carol carmody who is the head of the ntsb team that reached the site only about Eight, eight hours after the the FBI had shown up, that uh, there were no signs of terrorist involvement, which is really quite incredible because the most striking feature of this crash is that when the as the plane came down at a rather steep angle around 26 degrees incline, it, the wings sheared off in the trees and the fuselage caught fire and burned. It burned so intensely for five or six hours that it was virtually reduced to charcoal. The fire department, when it showed up on the scene, was unable to put out the fire. They couldn't extract the bodies, which later had to be identified on the basis of their dental records. With the, with the fuselage reduced to charcoal, one wonders, in no determination of the, you know, of the cause of the crash, the FBI would nevertheless announce that there were no indications of terrorist involvement. And not to overemphasize the point, but under these circumstances, of course, you couldn't possibly know, for example, that there hadn't been, say, a, a small bomb or a gas canister or some kind of high-tech weapon that might have been employed to bring the plane down. And even if you, and even if you knew that, it would be another step to know whether or not this had been motivated by specific uh, 
political beliefs and so forth. I mean, you know, theoretically it could have been a, a shot from an anti-pro-life uh, 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 sympathizer who was opposed to Wellstone because Wellstone was pro-choice. So, you know, an anti-abortion sympathizer could have taken the plane down theoretically with a lucky shot, not that there's any reason to think that, in fact, is what happened here. But the point is that the FBI's announcement was really quite incredible. Plus, the next day when Carol Comedy re repeated this, it was a complete reversal of roles because it's the NTSB that has responsibility for investigating crash scenes. They're not, so they don't relinquish that to any other party. Unless, and this is ironic, unless a determination is made that there's a uh, that there was uh, evidence or signs of criminal activity, a uh, determination that has to be made, ironically, by the attorney general. So that if the attorney general declines to make such a determination, uh, then it it, it uh, can't be investigated as the scene of a possible crime. Which means that the NTSB, absent that determination by the Attorney General, was restricted only to accident hypotheses or alternatives such as the weather, the plane, or the pilots as having been responsible for the crash and couldn't actually, did, never did, and couldn't consider uh, the possibility that it had been a, a small bomb or a gas canister or some kind of uh, high tech weapon. And it's all the more ironic. I mean, not only had there been no determination of the cause, which would take over a year for the NTSB to reach, so that the the FBI couldn't possibly know that there had been no terrorist invo involvement. Ironically, it would turn out that there actually was a link to a bona fide or alleged terrorist, namely uh, Zacharias Massawi, who was supposed to be the 20th of the... Hijackers, yeah. Hijackers, right, for 9-11, uh, Viz, and who had had a... Uh, contact with uh, m with Michael uh, Guess in providing him, it appears, with software about the, how to fly a Boeing 747 when they were at a flight school together in uh, in in, uh, in North Dakota. So this whole thing is quite bizarre. I mean, not only is it preposterous for the FBI to be able to announce that there were no signs of terrorist involvement when there had been no determination of the cause of the crash. Not only was it improper for the FBI and the NTSB be reversing roles, uh, especially when no determination of the cause of the crash would be made for at least uh, another year, but there actually was a terrorist connection here. So it's incredible to think that, you know, the performance of the FBI here appears to have been completely duplicitous and intended to deceive the American people. And, of course, <laughs> The imposition of a cover-up is one of the most telling, telling reflections that something is wrong here, something profoundly wrong, almost certainly involving the government, as indeed has been the case with both the Warren Commission report and the 9-11 Commission report. Well, they do work fast, so don't they, those FBI? <laughs> well, that's what I thought at the time. It's like when I was... Uh, I was awakened at 3.30 in the morning when I was a lieutenant in the Marine Corps anchored out in Kaohsiung Harbor by the officer of the deck who happened to be my exec who told me that the president had been shot in Dallas. This was, of course, on 22 November 1963. Then about an hour later, he awakened me again to tell me that they'd, they, they, they'd caught the fellow who'd done it and he was a communist. And I thought, my, that's really quite fast work. Yeah. And the more you look into it, of course, the more astonishing it is that this that, that kind of determination could have been made. Similarly astonishing to the determination that was made in the case of the Paul Wellstone crash. Similar to the determination that was made in the case of 9-11, where the Secretary of Defense, for example, Paul Rumsfeld, was instructing his assistants to prepare plans for the for a war against Iraq within 15 minutes. 
I mean, it turns out that of the alleged hijackers, the the, the 19 hijackers, the total number, the number who were Iraqis equaled zero. The, some 15 were Saudi Arabians. And, of course, uh, since then, six or seven of them uh, have turned up alive and well in Saudi Arabia, though the, the government has not been forthcoming about any such developments. I mean, it's just shocking how the government will lie and manipulate the American people. Uh, before you go on any further, let's do a little business. Uh, the website is assassinationscience.com. Yes, if, 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 if any of your listeners would like to follow up on this and would like to learn, say, about the, the books I've edited, which you mentioned, Assassination Science, Murder in Dealey Plaza, or The Great Zapruder Film Hoax, or the book that, that Foros and I co-authored, American Assassination, they can go to the website and uh, just scroll down. They're going to find a lot about the uh, 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 Wellstone case. All my columns about the Wellstone case are also archived there, or if you go down the menu bar, You'll also find copies of two statements uh, that I presented at the National Press Club on 25 October uh, last year. Um, I, I wanted to uh, to mention something also. Uh, with, you have an email posted on the website, your email address. Yes. Um, I, I mean, are, are you pretty good about getting back to people who, as a result of, of listening to this program, might uh, 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 attend a few questions? Uh, oh, sure. Or? Yes. Yes. Yes, I am. All right. Okay, that's great. I mean, I know that for myself, but uh, I'm sure you're going to hear some things. Also, um, there's a, a pilot uh, for a major airline that, that listens often and has been, um, I guess you could say, providing me some information on the uh, Smokestown Flying Circus, those two characters in the uh, the prop job that went into restricted airspace around D.C. You oh, yeah, that? right. So um, that that's also very curious. But I, I would like to... Uh, Offer something that you reminded me about by going back to the foreknowledge of JFK's assassination. If you ever get a chance or ever feels so led whenever you have any free time, uh, there was some interesting work out there about the fact that um, reports of Lincoln's death were a day early out in the Midwest in certain sections. Really? Yeah. Uh, what I'll do is I'll email you the titles if you, if you ever want to go that way, but this is very, very curious. Um, well, that's fascinating. You know, one of the great myths about the death of JFK is that uh, no one has ever talked about it or, or displayed advanced knowledge, but that's quite false. There's a very good book by a fellow named Noel Twyman entitled Bloody Treason, where on a single page, 284, he lists uh, eight, the names of eight different individuals who, who had uh, expressed prior knowledge about the assassination, including Major mafiosi including carlos marcello and santo traficante uh david uh, atlee phillips who was a uh, head of the cia for the western hemisphere uh <coughs> david sanchez morales talked about it he was a prominent cia assassin who was involved in the death of che Guevara, among others mm -hmm. Uh, Richard Miltier, who was a right extreme right winger down in who down in Miami talked with an undercover agent, not realizing he was an informant, and told him the president was going to be assassinated using a rifle from a tall building, and they were going to pick up somebody to throw everyone off right off the bat. Miltier was actually photographed in Dealey Plaza at the time of the assassination. Uh, Lyndon Johnson, fascinating. Some of the people I got to know during my course of study in the assassination include Madeleine Duncan Brown, uh, who was uh, and began an affair with Lyndon in 1948 and bore him a son in 1950, named Stephen, who lived until 1990 when he died of bone marrow cancer, not Lyndon's only child out of wedlock, but his only male offspring. 
uh, where, where Lyndon told Madeline during a, when she confronted him with rumors rampant in Dallas at the time that he'd been involved since no one stood to gain more personally during a rendezvous of theirs on New Year's Eve, six weeks after the assassination, that the oil boys and the CIA decided that Jack had to be taken out. Uh, Chauncey Marvin Holt, who was a contract agent for the CIA, a very skilled forger and counterfeiter, told me how he prepared 15 sets of forged Secret Service credentials for use in and around Dealey Plaza. Charles Harrelson, the father of Woody Harrelson, has said that he killed JFK, by which I presume he meant he fired the shot that entered the right temple. He would subsequently deny it and say the very fact that he said that showed he was out of his mind at the time, which is a clever ruse. Uh, a fellow named Jim Hicks, who was photographed in Dealey Plaza with what looked like an antenna hanging out of his back pocket, said that he uh, was a communications coordinator for the assassination. A lot of people have talked about it, and yet we still have individuals as prominent as Jack Valenti, for example, offering the defense that if there had been... Uh, if there had been such an event, surely people would have talked about it and no one has talked, which simply displays his ignorance in this case. No doubt. Um, I want to go back to something you said about the quick determination by the FBI that there was no terrorism. This harkens back, uh, and you remind me of this when you say it, to um, Daddy Bush and Haig pronouncing that there was no conspiracy like what, within, within hours of Reagan's uh, shooting. Yeah, that's very curious, particularly when there were close uh, personal connections between members of the Bush family and members of the Hinckley family. Exactly. Uh, th this is a really bizarre case. Yeah, mm -hmm. how could, you know, the, the idea, for example, I mean, just to draw a parallel, uh, to, to know there's no conspiracy. Uh, the term conspiracy really is a, 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 a simple uh, concept that's taken on uh, psychological dimensions that it, it, it shouldn't be burdened by. A conspir conspiracies are as American as apple pie. It just involves two or more individuals collaborating together to bring about an illegal end. So if you've got a couple of guys knocking off a 7-Eleven, why, they're engaged in a conspiracy. Most Americans, uh, they may not be charged under that. They may be charged, say, with armed robbery, but they've committed a conspiracy. Most American conspiracies are economic, like Enron or WorldCom or what's going on now, Halliburton in Iraq, where it's ripping off the government for hundreds of billions of dollars. It's just astonishing going on before our very eyes. Insider trading is a real simple case of a conspiracy. So Martha Stewart, you know, is in collaboration with her... Uh, investment advisor, her stockbroker, in order to, you know, take advantage of information not generally available to the public. These things are all as common as can be. In fact, I uh, did, uh, undertook the exercise of going through the New York Times here a couple of weeks ago, and just turning from page to page, I found conspiracy after conspiracy on one page after another, secret bank accounts, scandals, this, that. I mean, there must have been 18 different conspiracies discussed in that single issue of the newspaper. So I just suggest anyone, you know, who's skeptical about conspiracies that you, you just simply have to understand mm -hmm. that the concept is really a very simple one, and what happens is psychologically it's used as a club to try to get us not to think about them. I mean, here are a couple of cases that should be striking to your listeners uh, Tom DeLay has claimed that there's a left-wing conspiracy to get him and drive him out of power because the Democrats are opposed to the, all the good work the Republicans are doing, on the, uh, for which there's basically no evidence at all. I mean, DeLay has committed, you know, uh, enough offenses that he's been censured three different times by the House's own ethics committee, and there's an investigation going on in Texas, and 
it's very likely he may wind up facing criminal charges. Uh, I mean, that's a whole matter. It got nothing to do with the Democrats. On the other hand, Hillary long ago protested a right-wing conspiracy to get her and Bill, and there's, I think, a mountain of evidence that that was true. Even someone like Henry Hyde said the whole idea of the impeachment really was motivated just to get even for the fact that the Democrats had gone after Richard Nixon, which, of course, is quite preposterous because Nixon, as we've all been reminded by the deep throat revelation, uh, was actually grossly abusing the government for political purposes. All in, all that uh, Clinton did, alas, was uh, you know engage in a sexual dalliance with a another uh, adult, which uh, you know most of, of us would say was his 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 right. I mean, it may be morally questionable, and certainly something that he and his wife might uh, take up between them, but it certainly ought not to have been an impeachable offense. The whole thing, of course, was grossly exaggerated. And Here's another case, though, Viz, that's even more striking. Listen to the official account about 9-11, after all, is a conspiracy, a very large-scale conspiracy involving some 19 hijackers hijacking four different aircraft in a coordinated effort. Now, those of us who suspect and, and hear... Anyone who wants to understand the case really must read two books by David Ray Griffin entitled The New Pearl Harbor and the 9-11 Commission Report, Omissions and Distortions. Uh, if the government was involved in some higher degree of complicity, we don't have no conspiracy. We simply have a different conspiracy, a deeper and darker one involving the government. One of the fascinating features of Griffin's book, The New Pearl Harbor, is he patiently explains some eight different senses uh, or degrees to which the government could have been involved in these activities, and then goes through the the evidence piece by piece to explain how the accumulation of the evidence systematically excludes the weaker forms of complicity by the government and, and, and clearly substantiates that the government had a very strong role to play in this case. Well, but manipulating the evidence is the key. I mean, what happened with the 9-11 Commission report, and, and, and Griffin is extremely good about this, is it employs a method of selection and elimination, selecting evidence that supports a predetermined conclusion and eliminating the rest, simply ignoring it. This is, in fact, the technique that was used by the Warren Commission. The, it, it's technically known as special pleading, where you only present the evidence favorable to your side and let the rest go. Now, in the case of the Wellstone crash, interestingly, some of the most important evidence that the the uh, the NTSB's own account of the crash couldn't be couldn't be right uh, comes from the NTSB itself. Uh, what, what the NTSB would eventually conclude is that the the pilots lost track of their airspeed and altitude and allowed simply allowed the plane to crash. This is fantastic on many grounds. Not only were the pilots uh, well-qualified, Richard Connery exceptionally well-qualified, but the most basic information any pilot learns from scratch to maintain, keep track of, is is their airspeed and altitude. I mean, this is just uh, ridiculous. And to think you're coming into a landing with you know a total of eight persons aboard the aircraft, including a United States senator, and you're going to neglect your airspeed and altitude is is just uh, a fantastic claim. Moreover, uh, that plane is a very sophisticated aircraft, and it's equipped with a loud stall warning device that would go off if the plane actually were threatening to stall. So there's absolutely no reason in the world to think that uh, these guys would have allowed the plane to crash. I mean, you know, we're not talking about uh, suicidal agents who are trying to end the world, as has uh, upon rare occasion happened in the history of air crashes. 
so what what did the NTSB do to do? They actually brought a couple of pilots with similar background qualifications from the same charter service down to Florida, and they put them into a, a, a simulator that actually had a weaker engine. Get this, Viz, a weaker engine than the King Air A100, and they gave them the similar flight plan and weather conditions and so forth, and 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 could not, uh, they couldn't cause them to crash. The 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 pilots were always able to power up and get out, uh, even when the NTSB had them fly at abnormally slow speeds, such that one member of the uh, team who actually signed the report, Richard Healing. Admitted, he said, they had no idea what caused the crash. They were merely speculating. But the point I'm making is a, that these simulations, which, which were unable to bring down the plane, are very powerful evidence that the NTSB report is false. In fact, I would suggest that the evidence here, and this is parallel to the case of the Warren Commission report, uh, where the 26 volumes of supporting evidence contradicted the conclusions drawn in the summary uh, report, which is the 888-page book known as the Warren Report, uh, contradicted the conclusions drawn by the NTSB. So, I mean, the, the, the fact is the government doesn't provide a, an explanation of what happened to this crash. You have to assume when you have two pilots, for example, that it greatly reduces the probability of overlooking the airspeed and altitude. There had been normal communications up to the point that they re reached the vicinity of the airport. Uh, they were being conducted by the co-pilot, so implying that the pilot was in control, which one would expect to be the case, the primary pilot, Richard Connery, with a greater experience. And yet there was no distress warning call. That's also very striking. Why was there no distress warning call? Because if you're going down, especially in an area that's uh, wooded and swampy, why the lives, the very lives of your passengers could depend on how rapidly the emergency response team would arrive at the scene. So it would be a case where, with high probability, you'd expect that the, uh, the co-pilot would uh, issue a warning that the plane was in trouble and going down, and yet that did not happen. What, about the, what about the uh, cockpit voice recorder or flight data, anything like that? Whatever happened to that? Well, that's very interesting, Viz, because this is a you know very sophisticated aircraft. They're quite expensive, and because they fly a very high-class clientele, you'd expect there was one. The NTSB actually spent a day and a half searching for one before concluding that there there had been no such uh, voice recorder. Uh, the, the while there were two pilots on the plane, the plane doesn't require there be two pilots, and uh, the regulations only. Uh, insist that there must be a voice uh, recorder if or, or a cockpit recorder if there are two pilots are required on the plane. But I have speculated in four arrows that you know because of the sophistication of the situation that that there there should have been one. And it's very peculiar to imagine that the NTSB would spend a day and a half looking for one uh, in a fruitless search if in fact there had been none there. On the other hand, I do believe that the early arrival of the FBI had multiple purposes, uh, which not only included restricting access to the crash scene. The Associated Press reporter, for example, said he was only given 15 minutes to take photographs, which he found highly unusual. And it's quite striking if you stop and thinking about it. I mean, if you're investigating a crash scene, it would be much better to have many, many, many photographs, as many photographs as you could have in case anything had been overlooked initially. You'd have a photographic record. So for this guy to be restricted to only 15 minutes is really quite striking. Uh, several also thought that the, the, the area for the, for the crash scene was artificially restricted. 
But the fact is that, uh, the, the, you know, the FBI's role here is uh, extremely uh, suspicious, and the, and the restri- restriction of access to information is striking. They could easily, if there had been a uh, voice cockpit recorder or a black box, they could easily have removed it, and that would presumably be one of the purposes in getting them there so promptly to the s- site of the crash. Do you think uh, it would be possible and to get a straight answer from the manufacturer of the aircraft? Well, uh, that's a very interesting question for a whole lot of reasons. I mean, Beechcraft is the manufacturer, but it's owned by Raytheon, a giant military-industrial <laughs> corporation, which is involved, I'm afraid, in a lot of questionable activities. And They were involved what, with their jet down here with spiriting out Saudis. Yes, and, and yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, David Ray Griffin spent some time talking about the these flights that were permitted when private aircraft right. hadn't weren't allowed to enter the airspace and yet this was done on behalf of uh many Saudis including some persons that ought to have been of particular interest given that uh you know the 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 concerns that were being uh, raised about Osama bin Laden and so forth as as a potential suspect well, the Tampa Tribune broke the story and we all read it like a day after in violation of the moratorium and uh, we said, okay, that's interesting. Nothing else happened. Then, of course, the government spokespeople uh, were all saying, no, this didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen. And finally, they got caught in a line. It was only just six months ago, Jim, where uh, they came out and said, okay, okay, yeah, they did leave. <laughs> you know, you, you know how that. Oh, Viz, I mean, the government is lying to us on every possible yes. count. I mean, <laughs> uh, d- d- does any American save Dick Cheney, who obviously doesn't believe it either? Uh, still think that we went into Iraq because of the weapons of mass destruction or because Saddam was in cahoots with Osama or because Iraq had anything to do with 9-11. All of these claims have been systematically dispatched and, and refuted and shown to be false. I'm rereading 1984 now. And yeah. I'll tell you, I think everybody right now should read it or reread it because what is happening today with the use of media, uh, with the statism that's being built within this country, is is right along the, the blueprint that Orwell laid out. And I think Orwell definitely knew the bl- blueprint. Well, here are, a couple, here are a couple of examples that substantiate that. We, we You know the Downing Street Memorandum that shows that... Uh, the, the Tony Blair in England and, and the highest echelons of his government were discussing the plans to invade Iraq like uh, six months to a year before Bush announced that it was happening based upon the decision the Bush administration had already made. And Blair, the, the memorandum reveals that uh, since they, were, they wanted to use weapons of mass destruction and the war on terrorism as the pretext, but that the evidence was flimsy so that the... Uh, the intelligence was going to be fixed around the policy, which which has got to be the smoking gun of this whole charade. But yet we don't find it reported, say, on the front page of the New York Times. I mean, this you know the, the, the major media aren't paying enough attention to this. That's rather shocking. And then you get this fellow George Galloway, who's quite a brilliant, articulate member of Parliament, who appears before a Senate subcommittee. Uh, chaired by Norm Coleman, ironically, who succeeded to the Senate, you know, was elected to the Senate after Paul Wellstone's death, and 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 Galloway is ostensibly uh, Coleman is ostensibly investigating the oil for food program administered by the UN and exposing corruption, but appears the committee appears to have been making wild allegations against several individuals, one of whom is George Galloway. And Galloway came in and gave an impassioned statement, a, a complete and utter indictment of American policy in, in Iraq and in the Middle East, and, and just 
took apart everything that the Coleman committee was alleging and maintaining. And now if you go to the, when it said subcommittee is reporting, you know, it's hearings, normally you get everyone's testimony available on the Internet, for example, but Galloway's testimony has been stricken from the record. I mean, it's, you know, this this just capacity to revise history or to suppress information is shocking. And, of course, it's a, another manifestation of the 1984 mindset that you're describing, which appears to have come 20 years later. Well, and, you know, this whole bit about getting up in front of the U.N., going through the PowerPoint displays, being, you know, deadbolt sure that this is what's happening, and then they turn around to the American people and go, never mind. You know, and, and nobody does anything. And to me, it just reminds me of they throw opposites at everyone to the point where they confuse them and hoping that the masses slide into this kind of apathy, which they do. Well, the problem is that the, the government is in the grip of this uh, very tightly regimented uh, group that's running the government with an iron hand, and Carl Rove being the most prominent, but Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld being there. You know the principal implementers of all of these policies, and and the Congress has shown absolute lack of spine. I mean, this is the most gutless Congress I've ever seen, and of course it's dominated by Republicans. So that unless uh, the Republicans themselves are willing to undertake investigations, no investigations are going to occur, which is a complete. You know, you'd think there were some principled Republicans out there. I'm talking about these Republican politicians, and not the average, you know, Republican man on the street. But the whole party has deteriorated in such a way that it no longer resembles its former self. I mean, the Republican Party had an admirable tradition in the past where it stood for balanced budgets, it stood for constitutional government, a non-interventionist foreign policy, keeping government out of our personal lives. Bush has violated all of those. He's creating the most massive deficits in our nation's history. He's violating the Constitution, the Patriot Act, the international war, uh, a war in Iraq which violates international law, the United Nations Charter, even the United States Constitution and his oath of office by extension. They're becoming in, deeply involved in our most intimate aspects of our personal life decisions, whether or not to, to, to die a death with dignity, as illustrated by the Terry Schiavo case. And in the Patriot Act, allowing them to go into libraries and check out what books yeah. you're reading, yeah. and now they're going for these sneak and peeks where they can break into your home and take information off of your computer, and no one has to know about it. And in 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 now, of course, with with stem cell research and other, I mean, the religious influences are being allowed to obstruct responsible public policies, and that should not happen. But Bush has been catering to the. Uh, re religious fundamentalists and, 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 and using them for his own purposes politically, which is completely disgusting. All these violations of church and state are really uh, corrupting the political process of this country. I mean, if you look historically, you know, religious religious states have not been great nations, and this this the idea to try to turn the United States into a Christian nation is completely misconceived and and very profoundly troubling. Well, before, I'm going to make a comment, but um, and after that we're going to do some business, but I want to make sure that we can promote the book and the website. But let me just say this to you. The, the people here on the grassy and all and those who listen to us, and I, you know, I'm not going to debate it because I want to get back to Wellstone, but the thing is we believe both parties are a sham and that all we're seeing is some theater while... Yeah, but while the puppet masters behind the curtain get things done. So, and, and I have to tell you about the religious right. Like, for instance, I mean, I consider myself an evangelical, but I know that those guys are hijacking Christianity for yes. other purposes. So I, I, a lot of us distance ourselves from them because they're going down a road that is not good, and they're taking a lot of unwitting, well, 
what should I say, unsuspicious, unwinning people down with them. So, yes, I, I completely agree with everything you're saying, okay? But go to the website, assassinationscience.com, and what will people find there, Jim? Well, what they'll find is a discussion of quite a wide variety of different issues of considerable current interest, including, for example, the apparent theft of the election of 2004 using electronic voting machines. Quite a lot there. Quite a lot about the, the, the assassination of Jack Kennedy. There's a JFK introductory seminar that features, you know, conclusive evidence, uh, which you see for yourself about the uh, disproving the Warren Commission and establishing that there had to be multiple shooters involved in the assassination. Uh, plus an introduction to the way in which the home movie of the assassination, the Zapruder film, was subject subjected to alteration and change using very sophisticated techniques of optical printing and special effects, but also quite a lot about Paul Wellstone, about the book, the statements that uh, were presented, that I presented at the National Press Club on 25 October 2004, and, and a whole lot of related issues. Now, what they're going to discover, Viz, too, is that our research has suggested that there's an alternative scenario that has overwhelmingly greater probability than the one that the government has advanced. I mean, after all, how probable is it that one pilot would ignore his airspeed and altitude and a stall, loud stall warning <coughs> alarm and allow it to, the plane to crash if the plane were under his control, much less that two pilots would overlook their airspeed and altitude and allow the plane to crash? Surely that's it's far more probable that the plane crashed because it wasn't under their control than that this fantastic scenario, which is contradicted by the NTSB's own simulation, suggests. The cessation of communication, uh, to me, has been the most striking, you know, the failure to sound a distress call has been, to me, a very striking feature of the crash. And it's been, uh, I have discovered, I was contacted by a local resident who works for the city, who, whose name is Paul Ongaro, who is very near to the airport at the time uh, of the crash, heading for the same funeral for uh, for Rukavina that uh, Paul Wellstone was flying up for, who had a very odd uh, cell phone experience. He said he got a call, and it was all kind of static, but it was warbling and, and, and wavering and, and, and really loud, and he'd never heard anything like it. So he, he contacted me to ask if there could be anything, you know, could this somehow be related, particularly since I had been drawn toward the idea that a high-tech weapon could have been used to take down the plane, uh, an electromagnetic uh, pulse-type weapon that could take out all the electronics, the navigational aids, the stall warning device, interestingly, and, and make it very difficult to control the plane. And if it were strong enough, it would overwhelm the electrical circuits and could cause an electrical fire. One of the more striking features of the initial crash scene was that when uh, when Gary Ullman flew up to try to locate the crash, he initially saw a stream of smoke in the distance, which he he discounted as being the site of the crash because it wasn't black; it was rather bluish white smoke. Uh, black smoke is what you'd expect from a you know the kerosene-based fuel that uh, the plane was was uh, piloted by was 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 uh, powered by but th this wasn't of course black smoke it was a uh, whitish blue smoke well it turns out whitish blue smoke is indicative of an electrical fire and indeed if a, a weapon of this kind were used it would have caused an electrical fire which which uh, you know could possibly have reached an intense uh, temperature enough to uh, ignite the fuselage, which is another puzzling aspect because this metal, I mean, this whole, the, the fuselage metal was just reduced to charcoal. So the, the high temperature is another striking feature of the situation. 
such that we we are inclined to believe that the plane was brought down using a high-tech weapon, and that that's the the principal reason why it was impossible for the pilots to to uh, send a distress signal or to control the plane. Certainly, it's got a, a vastly greater probability than the idea that the pilots could have would have simply ignored their airspeed and altitude and allowed the plane to crash. Is there an air traffic controller at that uh, airport? Uh, no, the nearest air traffic would have been in, in Duluth, where they had them under radar surveillance and so forth until just about the time that they uh, and they were in communication until just about the time the plane was about to crash, which uh, was about to land. It was about uh, last communications were about ten eighteen, and the plane was supposed to come down about ten twenty, and actually wound up crashing about five or six miles south of the airport. And it was when it when it crashed, it was it was headed south, whereas the airport was north. There, there are too many anomalies in this case not to find it extremely suspicious, and uh, we we have developed an hypothesis, and there, there's a great deal more to it that you'll find uh, elaborated in the book and the articles that you can find on my website. To 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 take the NTSB seriously, you have to assume something that has a probability basically approaching zero seriously, when in fact. Uh, we have an account that provides a much greater, more adequate explanation of what happened here. I, I had heard that the plane um, was perpendicular to the runway uh, when you're talking about north and south. Is that true? Was it, instead of being lined up to come in on a landing at that distance, it was actually... Well, the plane, they should have been headed north into the, into the runway, but they wound up facing south. So they were almost 180 degrees out of sync with, a, with the alignment for the runway. There have been some other circumstantial aspects of this, too, which include, for example, reports of garage doors having been found open that day that there were the uh, homeowners hadn't opened them, which could be another spillover effect from the use of a weapon of this kind. That's interesting, too, because when NORAD was conducting um, exercises out in Colorado, a whole bunch of people out there had their garage doors opened and they couldn't close them. So there's another incident where uh, that, that kind of activity took place. Well, a lot of people don't realize the importance of these electromagnetic phenomena in affecting, you know, aircraft, uh, for example. But if you stop and think about it, when you go on a plane, you know, big commercial airliner, even, you're asked to turn off your cell phone and your laptop and your Game Boys. Well, if there's a, a risk to uh, aviation from a cell phone or a laptop or a Game Boy, uh, when we're talking about a big airliner, just imagine the, the, the threat to uh, a small uh, uh, private plane or a small aircraft from a weapon deliberately constructed to take him out. Uh, in fact, we, we consulted with uh, a fellow who's done, I've done a lot of work with on JFK, who's an expert in electromagnetism. He has a Ph.D. in the field, who has done some of the most important work on the Zapruder film and establishing on the basis of objective scientific evidence that the film has been recreated, which was necessary for technical reasons to reshoot each of the frames that make up the film. And you see, get an explanation there on my JFK introductory seminar. His name is John P. Costella. And Costella offered, authored a section of our book talking about electromagnetic phenomena and how planes, you know, were falling out of the sky for unknown reasons until they discovered that uh, these uh, electromagnetic uh, towers, you know, microwave relay towers and the like, were genuine hazards to aircraft. We, I, I found reports to the Congress uh, as early as 1996 by a lieutenant general reporting on the results of uh, their research 
Uh, and there's an, a tremendous amount you can find about these kinds of weapons if you just on Google go on Google and do a search using RF for radio frequency or HERF, H-E-R-F, high energy radio frequency or EMP for electromagnetic pulse. Turns out there are whole families of these weapons. Recently, the Senator Kyle from Arizona made a made a statement to the uh, to the Senate that the greatest threat to uh, to the United States was posed by electromagnetic weapons because of their capacity to take out all kinds of electronic equipment which include every all computerized components that if there were a you know an appropriately positioned electromagnetic uh, pulse uh, that was uh, released over the United States, and this is a common phenomenon. It was first discovered, by the way, from the use of uh, atomic weapons, that there was an electromagnetic pulse that was created by the use of an atomic bomb, that it could really disable the United States. And he was talking about not just uh, taking down all of our you know, power centers and computerized operations and therefore communications and energy distribution around the country, not just for weeks, he suggested, but for months or even longer, so that it would be truly disabling. So I must say that a greater awareness about electromagnetic weapons and their potentiality is now growing. And, of course, it appears that the police have some uh, these weapons that they can use to stop uh, carjackings, yeah. that they can use an electromagnetic pulse to take out the computerized components on an automobile and, and, and bring it to a halt. All right, two, two quick but things. Yeah, just just finish up. Yeah. Well, what we've discovered, too, Viz, is that uh, not only does Raytheon own the, own the company that makes the, the King Air A100, but they also manufacture weapons in this electromagnetic pulse category, so that it's very clear that information of this kind would have been available to the United States military, such as the Department of Defense. And my belief is that this was a very small-scale conspiracy that maybe only as few as 10 or 12 individuals would have known the decision makers, those who were intermediate in arranging things, say with the Department of Defense, for example, and a small team on the ground that could have implemented this tracking, tracking the plane as, as it came into the airport by way of its transponder and its radio communications, if not radar. Uh, two quick things. Um, one, you're going to get emails from the pilots. The only thing they, they always uh, um, try to impress upon me is that if the plane is hydraulics and not completely fly by wire, an electrical attack would have not the greatest consequences. Now, I'll leave that there. The other thing is, and this goes back to a bit about the, uh, the uh, immediate pronouncement by the FBI that there was no terrorism in Wellstone, and of course, with the assassination, well, the attempt on Reagan. But when we had that blackout in the Northeast, I forget the individual. Uh, he was FBI who was involved with flight TWA in New York, Calstrom. Kalstrom was on the radio immediately saying there was no uh, terrorist event involved with this. And it's like, how do you know anything yet? And we think definitely that they may have tried out an EMP bomb to see if it worked, because London had a situation a couple of days later. I think that's very observant of you, Viz. Let me just say, by the way, that these electromagnetic weapons can also have powerful effects on living things yes. such as pilot and render them unconscious or incapable of voluntary muscle control or even dead. It's the equivalent to being inside a microwave oven. That, to me, the effect on the pilots, and I mean, I'm no expert, but it would seem to me that if the pilots could be attacked themselves physically, you got your situation. At that, No one's going to take them out of because I would assume that everybody in a plane is going to be subject to this and everyone's going to be rendered more or less helpless. It looks to me as though something like this is what happened. Okay, and I mean, this isn't the first time either. I know that, that Dr. John Coleman in his book, Conspirators Hierarchy, had said that 
I guess it was Ali Bhutto, I, I assume, was Pakistani's leader at the time, went up in the C-130, and, and it made some kind of ridic- had some ridiculous behavior and almost did a, a complete, uh, what would you call that, a negative G-loop and, uh, or positive G-loop and, and it just crashed to the ground. So uh, Coleman, who was British intelligence, uh, also felt that something like this had occurred back, I guess, hmm, I think that might be the late 70s or early 80s. Um, but well, this is one of many fascinating, you know, phenomena involving plane crashes, such as the the the, the alleged flight of uh, of American number seventy seven into the Pentagon, which was an astounding feat of, of piloting by somebody who was thought to be a, completely incompetent as a pilot. And of course, the the actual part of the building that was hit and the circumstances, rather than crashing downward into a part of the building where you might have had prominent officials, such as the Secretary of Defense, they crashed in a reconstructed area. A whole lot of flimsy, phony stuff. Let me just add, Viz, by saying anyone who looks at the book, you know, and has suggestions or comments about it, I'd sure welcome that. But if you want to see the whole case, right, you want to take a look at American Assassination. And, of course, that's on uh, James's uh, website, assassinationscience.com. We have been speaking with James H. Fetzer. Uh, and uh, how are things up at the University of Minnesota Duluth? Uh, do you oh, things, things are great. I mean, things are great, Viz. I'm, I'm, I'm busy on multiple projects. My summers are actually... Um, more, more taxing than, than the regular school year, but I'm having a great time. Oh, that's that's excellent, and, and, the, and at least you have some kind of academic freedom up there, and they're not leaning on you as as I. Oh you know. no, the university has been very supportive. I give an annual lecture on the death of JFK. I had a dean who even suggested I should do a a course on uh, on JFK. And while I I've never done that, the university has been very supportive of all my uh, efforts to conduct research into these issues of great public uh, importance. I, there's one thing, if I could get a grant, if I could get the time, if I could just have a year, what I would do is research all our presidents and the assassinations and the attempts. And I'm talking about the deaths that were attributed to uh, getting a cold at inauguration. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes with regard to uh, the deaths of presidents. And I think one of the most interesting periods uh, was between, I guess, 88 and 1901, when you had two presidents assassinated within like 13 years. You know, yeah, well, let me just emphasize, I think that the key here, you know, to understand what's going on are the signs of a cover-up, that once you discover the extent of the cover-up in the in JFK case, for example, they went so far as to alter x-rays and to substitute another brain for the brain of JFK mm-hmm. during the uh, supplemental autopsy exam and to recreate the film, you begin to get a handle on this case, and just as with the 9-11 commission report that it ignores so much vital evidence that it's really contrived and i say the same thing occurred in the case of the ntsb report on the death of paul wellstone which interestingly and i was astonished to discover this not only does uh, can a scene not be investigated as a crime scene without the determination right. of the attorney general right. but it can't be admitted as evidence in a court of law is a lot of fishy things of course and i tell you we all know on the grass you know that the world runs and has been run by conspiracy Jim, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate the uh, generosity with your time. And, uh, yeah, I'll be getting CC'd on the emails you get. So That's fine, Biff. All right. Great. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. My pleasure.